all of these stresses we put on our body that causes progressive downward spiral that we relate to aging. And that downward spiral that we relate to aging is literally failure of the muscle system to tolerate forces. Hey, welcome back to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I do my best to simplify building your best body, simplify feeling truly amazing, not only in your body, but in your mind. And there's a lot that could potentially go into that. There's certain people that I value in this world at just the highest possible level. And this gentleman happens to be one. He's a previous guest of the show. You people in this world have influenced my thinking, my ability, and ultimately, empowered me to be the best version of myself like Greg Rostoff. If you haven't heard of Greg, Greg is the owner and creator of Muscle Activation Techniques. If you're not familiar with MAT, MAT is a modality that ultimately allows you to move freely without pain better than anything else I've experienced. And, and I've traveled the world working with some of the best therapists in the world, and truly nothing comes close to what Greg does with Muscle Activation. Greg lives in Denver with his family. And at 60 years old, it is just a pinnacle of health and fitness, even after experiencing some significant setbacks, accidents in his life. He just looks and performs just like a complete animal. He looks like a pro athlete. He's 60 years old. He's lean, he's shredded, he moves well, he's strong. He doesn't look 60. He probably looks like he's in his 30s. And so there's something here. And if you've never experienced muscle activation techniques, I highly suggest you head over to muscleactivation.com and check out a practitioner near you because there's, as I say, no modality nearly as effective in my experience for improving your ability to contract muscles, your ability to mobilize joints. And if you know the construct that Greg will teach you in this podcast, muscles move bones. And if your muscles aren't moving well, your joints will hurt if your muscles aren't contracting well and you exceed a muscle's ability to contract in any way, the, the joints will begin to hurt because the passive structures, the ligaments, tendons, and joints will take over the um, force. So they, they will take the brunt of the force that the muscles can't control. So our job as men and as women, as we age, is to maintain joint function, to maintain muscle function, and ultimately force production capability that allows us to live life as an adventure. Uh, so, ladies and gents, uh, I present Greg Roscoff, the owner and creator of Muscle Activation Techniques. A few brief points from our podcast today. Um, we talk about why the musculoskeletal system experiences issues as we age, and ultimately how you can start to prevent the steady decline that most people experience. We talk about the real problem with artificial stability, like um, specifically like lifting heavy and using machines. Um, such as uh, weight belts and joint braces and, and knee wraps and things like that. We talk about how to apply training techniques that increase neuromuscular tolerance, which is ultimately your, your body's ability to tolerate load or force. We talk about the true cause of muscular pain. We talk about improving neuromuscular function can ultimately improve gut health and so many other amazing things. Today's podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Organifi. I have an amazing offer for you right now what they're calling the Sunrise to Sunset Kit, which is everything that I advocate, the green, the red, and the gold, plus free 30-count travel packs um, with every purchase. So if you head over to Organifi.com slash muscle, you're going to get hooked up with 20% off. This is a product that I continue to use every day. And the gold for me, if you're someone who has a sweet tooth, um, which I don't often, but sometimes I do, 
is a really nice way to end your day, like post-dinner snack instead of a high sugary um, dessert. This is a delicious way to do something good for yourself and ultimately feel good in the process and help yourself have a better relaxing night and a great sleep. Um, the, the green specifically is something that I never go without. We use it every day, loaded with some incredible organic uh, superfoods and adaptogenic herbs to kick off your day. So head over to Organifi.com slash muscle and take advantage of this incredible offer with their sunrise to sunset yet. Enjoy the show with Gary Roscoe. Mr. Roscoff, welcome to the show. It's an absolute honor and a pleasure to welcome you back. As I said before recording, I did get a chance to dive deep into this jump-started MAT book that you and your team sent over. And uh, obviously, nothing short of remarkable, and I wouldn't expect anything less from you, man. So I look forward to jumping into that. And just great to have you back, man. Great to, great to see you. Great to see you doing so well. Greg looks like he spent the last six months on the beach in Hawaii, but apparently his golf game is getting pretty swift. You've been playing a lot? Hey, well, I had two. I hadn't played, I mean, since October. And we had two back-to-back weekend trips up to last weekend and luckily hit some good weather in both Myrtle Beach and Arizona. And so I got a little bit of sun. <laughs> you also tan really easily from from what I recall. You always had a pretty solid tan all year round. Yeah. Some of my family, you know, the boys, I mean, they're white-skinned and they don't, they, they don't have that gene and <laughs> they burn. I just, I mean, it will be red one day and then turn into tan. Uh, you mentioned briefly, if you're open to sharing, that you're now working both, both with the Broncos and the 49ers. And is that uh, an ongoing thing? Like, what? It, just if you can give an idea for your relationship with them. Yeah, and so uh, I mean, obviously, you've been a big supporter of MAT over the years, and and um, so John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, being I mean, growing up around Kyle, growing up with the with the Broncos, and and John Lynch, both of those those two are both clients of mine over the years when John played for the for the Broncos, and um, and then Kyle had. Some real digestive, irritable bowel issues. He was pretty sick when he was in college. And so we worked with him, which ironically, improving neuromuscular function took away all his symptoms. And there couldn't be two bigger believers in what I do in MAT than put together as a GM and a head coach in an organization. And so they always, I mean, prior to COVID, they were reaching out saying they wanted to get me more involved and, and utilize me for what like John experienced when he would come see me regularly. And so just, I mean, two years ago at the back end of the season, they had a lot of injuries and they reached out and they flew me out periodically, just random based on my schedule. But then last year we made it official and I, it was just a regular schedule. Every week I, I flew out. They have one day of recovery day on Tuesdays and I would be there on Tuesday, fly out Monday night after work, be there all day Tuesday, and then be back and have the Broncos on Wednesdays and Fridays. And and it just schedule-wise, it just worked out perfect. And as you know, I've been with them. I mean, I think this is my, I drove there later today, it's my 27th year with the Broncos. And it's been an interesting round in pro sports, uh, but it's been neat. I mean, it's been a great experience and uh, great to see when you know you're you're having an impact working on the guys you're working with and seeing seeing when they stay healthy and that some so, to some degree yeah you have an impact they're they're athletes and they're good at what they do and it's more about injuries are what prevent people from being successful and maintaining a long career and and that's really what, what John when John and Kyle reached out they they want to keep their guys healthy because uh, they've had a history of, of a good amount of injuries. Yeah. So just to give the listeners some context, how you help athletes, you know, my personal experience, 
I flew out about once a month for you know a couple of years to come out, to come out and see you in Denver because there was nothing that came remotely close. Like I got, I was very blessed as a pro athlete to be able to travel and work with therapists and chiropractors and ART and like all these other modalities. And the only thing that really made me feel different was MAT. And and as you said, I am a big supporter of MAT because it works. And you know, I'm I'm certainly not paid to say this. I'm just a an incredible advocate of what you do because how much of a difference it made for my life. And so I completely understand why someone who's experienced your stuff would fly you out and say, you need to take care of this entire team. And as an athlete, it was remarkable. Like nothing short of just truly remarkable. The only way I can explain it to someone who's maybe sitting at home listening is if there's any of those those aches and pains, those things that just almost give you psychological trepidation. So Greg, you'll get this as a man, as you said, you're about to turn 60. In the back of your mind, maybe you don't experience this, but it, us normal humans, in the back of our mind, sometimes there's this like psychological trepidation around, can I do that or is it going to hurt or am I going to hurt myself? And there's just little hesitation. And every time I would leave MAT, I always say like, I feel like a newborn baby. I feel like I have no more of that inhibition, psychological trepidation around, you know, taking the big step, you know, going deep into the squat, going deep into the lunge. I just feel like it's there. I have the range, have control over it. It doesn't hurt to access it. I can just go. So it's like you're giving me my net, my my top gear back, right? Without having to worry about going there and, and blowing up the engine. And that's the part that you said is really all the I always say all the aches and pains that we relate to aging have to do with failure of the muscle system to tolerate force. So you think about yourself as a young bodybuilder. I mean, you got an S on your chest. You can do you can do everything. But as your career, I mean, this is with athletes and myself. And I mean, you're you're more vulnerable. Your muscle system can't tolerate forces like it used to. Basically, can break down easier, and and that's that's the one thing that I see. I mean, it's um, literally. I mean, the the aches and pains that we experience are because the muscles can't tolerate forces like they did when we were young. And the goal of MAT is is really to reestablish that the communication pathways between the nervous system and the muscle system, so the muscles can fire and fire on demand. And when they can fire on demand and tolerate forces, like you said, with that trepidation, it's like, then all of a sudden you're like, bring it up. I yeah, like an S on the chest. <laughs> I, I, can do, yeah. I can do whatever I want because my body can tolerate it. But the other thing that, that I always correlate is life's going to beat us up. And from a neuromuscular standpoint, somebody has to be there to put you back together. And that's, that's what MAT is. is we're not, it's, it's not like I have the comfort to know that when I go work out, if I work out hard and train and I tweak something, I know that I'm a treatment away from getting feeling better because all, all I do, all I know is I, over, I exceeded a tolerance level. And when you exceed a tolerance levels of particular muscles, it creates an inflammatory response. That inflammation weakens muscles and uh, results in protective tightening first and then, uh, then leads to pain. And so if you can reestablish the communication between the nervous system and the muscle system, I then raise the tolerance levels of those muscles. You can do that immediately. And when you can do that immediately, all of a sudden, wow, I'm not tight and protected anymore and I no longer have pain. So literally, I mean, pain is the end result of neuromuscular dysfunction. And if we improve neuromuscular dysfunction, we can minimize pain levels. Talk to me about tolerance, Greg, because- you know, hearing you speak, it makes sense to me. You go, okay, I've physically exceeded my tolerance of this individual muscle or this group of muscles, and, and therefore their communication with the nervous system is downregulated either through, through inflammation or the nervous system just says, hey, the brain says, hey, turn this thing off. What percentage of this is in your experience is physical 
And what percentage is chemical? Because obviously when we're talking about inflammation, there's this whole consideration around like, what did you eat? And what did you put in your body? Did you drink alcohol? Did you take pharmaceuticals? Like that's a whole side of the conversation. So I'm curious in your experience, if, if those things tend to play into the way you think about it. Yeah, it, all, it, it, it does all tie together. And uh, one of the things that I've seen over the years is as the, uh, well, first off, the, the autonomic nervous system doesn't know the difference between chemical, physical, and emotional stresses. It just knows that when you exceed your stress tolerance level, negative things happen. Uh, and it, the body can't, I mean, process and heal. It's in, it, it gets into a stress state, and an inflamed state. And, and regardless of whether that comes from a physical stress or chemical stresses, it, it's like the chemical stresses may be what put you over that stress tolerance level. And, and so yeah, yeah, we basically have a stress tolerance level, and then we had our chemical, physical, and emotional stresses. And as long as we stay below that stress tolerance level, our body can recover and heal, and it basically stays in an anabolic state rather than a catabolic state. When you exceed the stress tolerance level, that's when negative things happen, and those negative things show up as muscle weakness. And, and so regardless of the impact, and I, and I can say that because early on in my career, I used to deal with with clients with um, food sensitivity and food. And, and I'll use the, when I said uh, Kyle Shanahan, I, I don't want to give too much information, but he basically an autoimmune type response to an injury. He had a physical injury that led to these negative effects with digestion and, I mean, irritable, irritable bowel. I mean, it just, I mean, things that you, you wouldn't even expect have to do with muscle function. But what I start finding with my clients is they become less tolerant to when their neuromuscular system stressed, they become less tolerant to chemical and emotional stresses. So people say, oh, I carry all my tension in my neck or when I'm stressed, I, mean, I tighten up my neck or whatever. And it's like, it's a whole, it's a whole system. And, and uh, your body, when your physical system uh, or when your overall tolerance levels, as you exceed, you got two ways to do things is, okay, I keep exceeding my tolerance levels. And so I'm going to take away the bad foods, what are anti or pro-inflammatory foods. I got I to cut my diet and eat pure. And so that I don't do it, but then I don't sleep and it puts me back up here because this tolerance level is low. Right. So the first thing you want to do with clients is start taking away things like let's, let's control the physical stresses that you're putting on your body. Let's control the chemical stresses. Let's uh, make everything anti-inflammatory, if, if you want to say, and uh, reduce the stresses that are placed on your system relative to the tolerance levels that you have. With muscle activation techniques, by improving neuromuscular function, we're raising that stress tolerance level. So now all of a sudden you eat the same food, you have the same mental stress, but you're and you put it on the physical stresses, but now you're no longer exceeding that stress tolerance level. So positive, and that goes back to anabolic versus catabolic, whether your body can heal and recover or whether it stays in this stress state. And that's, and that's really uh, the goal of MAT is to increase your overall stress tolerance level. Because what, as I'd worked with food allergies and sensitivities and everything, or clients with these, a positive side effect to improving neuromuscular function is we start to see food allergies go away and food sensitivities go away. Mm -hmm. and, and it's like, well, wait a minute, what does that have to do with improving muscle function? And the goal, really the goal is by when you're raising the tolerance level, the, the stress tolerance level by improving muscular function, and you think about it as a sprained ankle. And you sprain an ankle and it's like, oh my God, I can't even put any pressure on it. 
But then after a couple of days, now you can put more pressure on it. Then you can get off your crutches and then you walk, start to walk a little bit. Then you can start jogging and then you can run. That can take, I mean, six weeks to get through that whole process. With muscle activation techniques, we're doing this immediately. I mean, I've had clients come in on crutches with sprained ankles and leave without their crutches because we're raising the physical tolerance levels and we're speeding up that recovery and healing process. And by raising the, the tolerance level of the muscles, it takes more physical stress to create a pain response. And now that's raising that overall threshold um, that, that we're talking about, which now, now that I don't have as much inflammation in my system, I can process foods better. I can handle the mental stress or I had a bad night's sleep. Now your body doesn't have those uh, acute negative responses anytime you do something wrong. It allows you, it gives you a little bit of freedom. And, and so, I mean, it's amazing how much over the years, I've been doing this now over 30 years, and it's amazing to me how much the physical system has to do with overall health. And that's, I mean, I, I live and breathe for that reason. Yeah. Muscle-centric living, right? It's like, what, what is the muscular system doing to influence your overall well-being? So you talk about threshold, and I'm curious exactly what that means. So is that is that directly, you know, my, my maybe poverty of language, is that a direct correlation with contractile ability? Like, end range strength like what is, what is threshold specifically is it the nervous system's ability to send an amplified level of a signal to this muscle directly is that what that really means yeah so when we when we talk about mat and the foundation principles behind mat is uh whenever you have stress trauma or overuse the resultant inflammation alters the communication between the nervous system and the muscle system and the best way to say it is like having loose battery cables the brain sends a message and it's just not getting to the muscles the way it's supposed to. So it's a little bit sluggish. It's like you have a, a dimmer switch. And you think about that if your battery is, I mean, dying on your car, you sit there and turn the key to ignition and it doesn't start. Well, muscles are the same. I mean, all it is is electrical impulses. I mean, you got mechanical, chemical, physical, I mean, the uh, electrical, chemical, I mean, mechanical changes that occur in the muscles when you have inflammation. And so it's all one entity. When the tolerance levels get lower, it creates chemical changes. And, and it, it, I mean, it's all tied in together, the, the mechan mechanical, chemical, and, and electrical impulses. And so you think about bad, uh, loose battery on your car, it's the same exact thing. It's, you're trying to start the car and it just won't fire. But when you have stress, trauma, or overuse, the resultant inflammation alters that communication so that the muscles can't fire and they can't fire on demand. And I always explain it's like that. It's like having loose battery cables. Uh, the brain sends a message and it just doesn't get there. So when the muscle's doing the protective mechanism or when the uh, information doesn't get to the muscles, it's like having loose battery cables. Uh, you, the muscles that can fire on demand will fire on demand. And so what happens with everything you do, the stronger gets stronger and the weak stay weak. Well, the body senses this. I mean, basically it's an instability issue. It's the, the slow twitch muscle fibers that are negatively affected by inflammation. And the slow twitch muscle fibers have the lowest threshold to activation. So they need very little electrical impulses to create a muscle contraction. And that occurs beyond our conscious control. Like when you do your knee tap, curve, check, and reflexes, you can't even, you can't kick faster. You can't consciously kick back faster than when they tap your leg in the, and you just get that reflexive contraction. So these slow twitch motor units that are negatively affected by inflammation, I mean, they lose the ability to be able to contract and contract on demand. So it becomes an instability issue where now the muscles can't do their job to stabilize joints and protect you from injury. So when you think about it, like when we walk on ice, 
The first thing we do when we walk on ice is we tighten up as a protective mechanism. So the end result of this neuromuscular dysfunction or this altered communication is the muscles can't contract, they can't contract on demand, so other muscles tighten up as a protective mechanism the same way they do when you walk on an unstable surface, i.e. like ice, because you have an instability issue that causes protective tightening. Now, in conventional therapy, everyone's focusing on the tightness. Oh, you're tight. That's why you have back pain. That's why you have knee pain. No, it's actually you're weak. You have neuromuscular weaknesses that the body's protecting. And the first sign of these neuromuscular weaknesses are protective tightening. The second sign is if you keep putting forces on these tissues, they shout out in pain because these muscles are actually weaker. They're unstable, but because you're not getting the recruitment of all the motor units, you actually have a weakness component to it also. And you talked about the end ranges of motion and and when a muscle loses the ability to contract efficiently, it loses its ability to fully shorten. So where's the body? So you think if I go into external rotation and my external rot- rotators for somehow got overused, I threw baseball pitches to my, my daughter for the weekend and it's like, man, I haven't done that in 10 years and my shoulder's killing me. All of a sudden, I can't, ro- I can't get the external rotation in my shoulder. It's not because the internal rotators tightened up. I mean, well, it is because the internal rotators show up as being tight, but they're only showing up as being tight because the external rotators no longer have the ability to fully contract. And when they can't fully contract, they can't fully shorten, which means these opposite muscles stop you from moving into that shortened position. So the general idea is, no, it's a tightness problem with the internal rotators. It's like, no, these muscles are so weak that, that like a tug of war, these muscles can't pull against the antagonist muscle. It isn't that the antagonist muscles are pulling harder than they're supposed to, is they don't have a counter pull from the weak muscles that can't fully shorten. But what a protective mechanism by the nervous system, because that shortened position is the weakest position of the muscle. So what a great protective mechanism by the nervous system to say, I'm not going to let you move into that position where you're unstable because you're an injury waiting to happen in that position. So I'm going to stop you from going in that position. Because the more we get back toward neutral from a biomechanical and a neurological standpoint, the more force production and strength um, production we have or strength capabilities we have. It's the extremes of range of motion that is where people are more vulnerable. So just like when we walk on ice, it's every your whole body tightens up and protects you from moving into the extremes of range of motion. I mean, it's a neurological issue, but it is a, a weakness issue. But the weakness is the most extreme in that shortened position. But overall, the force tolerance levels or the force output capabilities of the muscles are going to be weaker throughout its full range of motion. But it's the extreme, fully shortened ranges where, where the weaknesses really show up. This sounds like a state becomes a trait. And what that means to me is, I, I say I go out and throw baseballs with my daughter. I wake up the next morning, I, I lack extra rotation. And if I don't fix that, so that I've created a state, I've created an immediate state, I've created a result or a response to this stress. And if I don't do things immediately to correct it, that state, which happened once, repeats itself the next day and repeats itself the next day, maybe I throw again a week later, repeat itself. And that state that I've created intermittently now becomes a trait that psychologically reinforces itself because you start to realize when I used to go into that range, it used to hurt. So I just, I just basically, I think my brain would go, I'm just not going there anymore. And I think as we age, we start, you know, I'd call it like the walls closing in around you. And it sounds like that's probably, because like even as you get older, maybe you just think psychologically, you can't get into those positions anymore. So you just don't. 
And then, so we need things like MAT to be able to bring us back where ultimately, you know, the way I would look at it is like, well, you're weak, so let's strength train. Can you differentiate for me why someone would want to use MAT rather than strength training to, to improve the end ranges? And that, that's a, a big factor, especially as we get older and I mean, our body can't tolerate force like it did when we're younger is, I mean, you think about it is, I mean, people don't work out because every time they try and work out, they get injured and it hurts they hurt themselves. And the reason is, is again, because they're putting forces on their body that the body's not. So again, I'm going to interrupt you for one sec. You just said something and I, w- I want to clarify that. You said as we get older, the, we, you know, the body can't tolerate forces as well. Is that, is that an automatic assumption or is that something we can, man, you're 60 years old, your body's tolerating forces better than most 25 year olds. What, what's the gap, right? So what, yeah, like, is that, an, uh, we just assume the body can't tolerate forces or is it because we just beat ourselves up, don't take care of ourselves. And as a result of it, we don't tolerate forces as well as we age. Yeah. And that, that's part of, part of the natural aging. And, and does it have to happen? Maybe that, I think that's a question you're saying. No, yeah, yeah. have to happen, but, but you have to have an alternative route or a corrective mechanism that allows you to be able to tolerate forces and continue to progress in your strength levels as you get older. Sarcopenia is the number one factor related to being so, I mean, research, I mean, to death now for as the the most, I mean, powerful impact on on aging. And that's basically sarcopenia is, is muscle wasting. The the muscles, the, the, the emphasizing, the emphasis is you need to have, do strength training. I mean, how many, have you ever seen a muscular marathon runner? I mean, they're not coming in just ripped and jacked. I mean, muscle, muscle-wise, but because they're not doing anything strength training-wise, and so the muscles, even though they have great endurance and your cardiovascular system may be functioning at a high level, the muscles are weak, and so that weakness relative to force tolerance level. Say, if I had a dynamometer and I said, "How much force can you tolerate?" That's really what what I, I'd be looking at, and I guarantee you, take a marathon runner and put him against you. You could say, well, they're they're so well conditioned, but their force tolerance levels are going to be very low. Well, those force tolerance dictate now all of a sudden you're in a car accident, or you're, um, or you just go out for a day, uh, play with your daughter playing sports, and you start throwing a ball or something. It's like, uh, man, I just tweak, I just tweak my shoulder because I can't tolerate the forces that I that I just put on it. And so, relative to aging. As we get older, I mean, we have an accumulation. I always say our body has a history. We have an accumulation of all the stresses that we placed on our body through the years. You sprain ankles, you tweak your knee, you throw a blow your back. Well, your body has a history. And every time you have an injury, you have resultant inflammation. I mean, the inflammation is what causes the pain, but it also causes protective tightening and muscle weakness. And so you think about even somebody that sprains an ankle, they may never get back to full function because they're not sprinting and running and, and doing the things they used to do when they played sports in high school and college. Now they're just going back to work. So they're not, their ankle never gets to the point of where it was force tolerance-wise when they were athletic. And so th- this is just one example of one joint that this happens throughout the whole body. Every time you have an injury, that inflammation causes protective tightness and, and weakness. And so somebody's got to be there. When I said life's going to beat you up, somebody's got to be there to put you together, put you back together from a neuromuscular standpoint. And I looked at it like NASCAR. NASCAR, they're driving the car hard. 
and they're going to drive it and they're going to drive it. And then they come in the pit and you got to change the tires to, I mean, correct the alignment and everything. But then in between races, I had a NASCAR family as, as clients and bad from South Carolina. And he's like, yeah, we have 17 mechanics for our one car. So when we take it back, I mean, after we race, we just, we take it to the mechanic so we can tune it up so we can race it at a high level again. And we don't do that to our bodies. We treat our horses and our, and our cars better than we treat our bodies. And then in reality, that idea of aging, aging is the progression of all of these aches and pains or all of these stresses we put on our body that causes progressive downward spiral that we relate to aging. And that downward spiral that we relate to aging is literally failure of the muscle system to tolerate forces. So now we start back up. I have my 10-year reunion and I need to go work out and get in shape for my 10-year reunion. But then I go and injure my back or I tweak my knee or, I mean, because I'm putting loads on these tissues that they can't tolerate. And so where's that catch-22? Exercise is a good thing. We know that exercise is the cure-all for every d- disease out there, from diabetes, to coronary heart disease, MS, Parkinson's. I mean, the, the recommendation is you need to exercise. But if exercise is causing inflammation, if exercise is stressing the system where it's actually causing inflammation, inflammation is the common denominator behind every disease out there. From all those diseases I just mentioned, there's a foundational concept behind it that's subclinical inflammation. So if your body's systemically inflamed, then you're in that where I said a catabolic state versus an anabolic state. And like you said, you keep doing it and you get in this pattern. So now you see somebody that's older and they look, they walk on a hard surface and they look exactly like the person walking on ice because their body is so unstable. They've gone into all these protective mechanisms and then and it's literally unconscious. It's not a conscious thought that, oh, I know I'm unstable. It's an unconscious response by the nervous system is, I know you're vulnerable in these extremes of range of motion, so I'm not going to let you go there. And so you think about if I gave somebody a, a muscle relaxant when they walk right before they walk on ice, they stride out and they slip and fall and injure themselves. Well, it's the same way. Every time we stretch or do deep tissue massage or do things to try and open up ranges of motion on people, we're opening up ranges that are unstable, which in the same way of get, taking uh, muscle relaxers allows them to move into positions that they're not stable and, and that could set people up for injury. So the goal isn't to loosen up muscles. It's to reestablish the communication between the nervous system and the muscle system so the muscles can fire and fire on demand so then they can tolerate greater amounts of force. When they can tolerate greater amounts of force, then they can heal. And you get out of that catabolic state into the anabolic state. And, and, and the best way to say it, if you look at someone with fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue, uh, any of these, I mean, the inflammatory-based issues, if you look at all the symptoms and you look at all the same symptoms of overtraining, it's all the same. I mean, digestion's negatively affected, you're irritable, you don't sleep well, hormone production, everything changes. And well, that, I mean, many people, as they get older, because they can't tolerate the forces that come with their daily lifestyle, get into this overtrained state, even though they're not even training or working at a high level. Um, it's just their tolerance levels are so low that it takes very little stress to put them over that threshold, which in turn keeps them in an inflamed state. You're talking, I have this visual in my mind of like the personal trainer of the future, probably some evolution of your MHC students taking somebody into the gym, you know, assessing their their ranges of motion at every joint and just giving them some 
some manual uh, resistance, like, hey, at the ends of the range, this is as much as you can push it. Like, you know, we all tend to cheat. We all tend to do exercises we're really good at, we're really strong. A lot of those end range positions, obviously, it's very hard to design exercises, certainly in a, in a conventional gym, that challenge the end of the range, you know, in an appropriate way that relative to what we're capable of. So I just have this vision of like, you know, probably the students of MAT, and, and, and this is kind of what we're talking about, say this jumpstart program, taking someone to an end range and giving them enough manual resistance, just enough to turn those muscles back on, reestablish communications at those end ranges and progressively move them through a resistance that's appropriate. Does that feel like a, a good kind of step one for someone who can't access an MAT practitioner? Yeah. And that that idea, you you said it perfectly. People do what they're good at. If I, they're starting bench press, they're going into the gym and bench pressing every day, but they're weak in shoulder presses, so they're not doing shoulder presses or overhead movements. And, and so- with MAT, I look at it as I don't care what you can do. I want to know what you can't do because what you can't do is breaking you down. And what you mm-hmm. can't do is dictated by limitations in range of motion. Where I use the example, if you strain your external rotators, it's like right now, oh yeah, I can't turn my arm, but I can't externally rotate my arm because the muscles that move you there can't move you there. And you and you said it perfectly. And there, there's a good, there's a catch twenty two to this too because that becomes a weak link. Those muscles aren't firing. They're not fire on demand. So other muscles are going to jump in. Now you're trying to rotate your arm in an exercise and you're shrugging your shoulder and, and compensating because the body will get from point A to point B most efficiently with what it has to work with. And the nervous system is so smart that it knows with what I have to work with, this is the best way that I can actually do what you're asking me to do. I mean, and, and so... We give cues in the in the training industry to say, oh, don't let your shoulder go up and and make sure it's through the iron. And the body said, no, I'm vulnerable there. Don't don't put forces on these tissues that are vulnerable. Let me dissipate it to other areas so that you don't injure yourself. And so compensation is a good thing until you fix the problem. Then you get those external rotators working, and they don't even feel the need to shrug their shoulder when they do their external rotation exercise. And so it's this. The body, that idea, the body will get from point A to point B most efficiently with what it has to work with because it's always trying to find a position of strength. So when we have somebody that bench presses and they're dropping their shoulder and we're giving them all these cues, the minute you bring in the conscious mind, you've already lost because muscles have to fire and fire on demand. When you're thinking about it, oh, shift my shoulder this way, all you're doing is going to create another compensation pattern that's not as effective as what the nervous system said with what I have to work with. This is my most effective way to to do what you're asking me to do, to lift this load. And give me more to work with, and I won't have to compensate. Oh, now all of a sudden, I don't have to compensate anymore because the muscles that can do it will do. And I'd see movement patterns change immediately. Uh, people with their knees diving in when they do a one-legged squat, and then all of a sudden, you get the muscles activated in their lower-legged foot and hip, and, and all of a sudden, their knee goes straight over their toe. I didn't give them any cues. I just let the nervous system say, with what I have to work with, this is the most efficient way to get there. Now that I have more to work with, I can do it biomechanically efficient or efficient. And so it, these movement patterns change immediately because it's just like jumpstarting the battery on your car. The minute you jumpstart the battery on your car, you can start it up. And that's a nice, and then when you jumpstart the battery on your car, then when you drive it, it reinforces it. So what happens is when you have muscle weakness or muscle inhibition due to inflammation, everything you do drains the battery more. If you put isolated forces on those tissues, which is very important where I said there's a catch-22, 
If you try and put isolated force and say, well, I know my external rotators are weak, so I got to do all these isolated exercises for the external rotators, they're already saying, I'm vulnerable. I'm, 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 I've been injured or irritated, and I'm, I'm tightening up the protect, and I'm sow down in pain saying, leave me alone. And we think, oh, this is what I need to go after. With MAT, what I, the way that I look at it is I used to think, yeah, we need to give you a lot of isolated exercises. But the more isolated an exercise is, the less chance the body has to compensate for their weaknesses. And so it's more focused on that individual tissue. The same way I said stretching, deep tissue work, dry needling, those are forces on tissue that are typically irritated. You don't dig into muscles that don't hurt. They dig into the muscles that hurt. And they're already irritated, which means they're inflamed, which means their force tolerance levels are lower. That's the last thing you want to do is put specific forces on those tissues when they're vulnerable and weak. And so the more isolated an exercise is, it can have just as much of a negative effect as a deep tissue work or stretching when it violates protective mechanism because it's all about force tolerance. But if you jumpstart the muscles through MAT, then all of a sudden, everything you do, they're firing and fire on demand. It's like driving your car after you jumpstart the battery. It's going to reinforce it. And so it just makes it stronger. And so compound motions are actually good because the body will find positions of strength, but at least these muscles are now part of that compound movement where before they were just alone for the ride. Then you can get more specific over time when these muscles are getting stronger, say, now let's strengthen those weak links. But the more of a problem they are, the less you want to focus on those. And you just want to make them part of the part of the process. But what you said is perfect, and it does come with our jumpstart program, is, you know what? We're going to do a workout today. And man, you're limited in external rotation. And there's ways that you can test to determine there's different levels of, say, infraspinatus and teres minor that uh, would dictate which division. But even if you just saw, I'm tight here and you did isometrics and to teach the muscles to contract further in their short range, that could be enough to get those muscles activated. Now you do your shoulder presses and your bench presses and they're involved in it rather than being sluggish and, and just alone for the ride. So now they'd start to be contribute to the movement rather than being left out of the movement. There's so much in what you said right there that um, I didn't want to interrupt because you're on such a great role, but I think you just, what it sounds like to me is we just turned the entire personal training and the entire physical therapy, physiotherapy world upside down and said, hey, everything you, the way you currently look at things, not you, but the way they currently look at things, trainers and physical therapists and physiotherapists may not be accurate, may, may be I don't know, it may be useful, but not not maximally effective. So as an example, you know, if I'm trying to correct a squat as a personal trainer, personal trainers are often taught to um, separate an exercise. So like if, if I'm using my abductors or adductors in this exercise, let's isolate those things, train them in isolation, reintegrate it into the system, and the system works more effectively. What you're saying is, no, don't do that. That's not the way to approach it. Let the person continue to do the compound movement and find the, the muscle activation technique, jumpstart protocol that activates this muscle to do what it needs to do to, so it ultimately has a greater path, right? So the, the body uses path of least resistance and we're trying to open up, uh, I, always, you know, this, I always use the reference of this narrowing corridor, right? As we lose joint function or muscle function, the corridor is narrowing and we're, we're running full speed down this narrowing corridor and eventually we're going to smash into the walls. 
So what we're trying to do then is give you the joints in this case, the corridor of reference is like the joints are going to have more room to move, therefore a little more margin for error. Yep. Yeah. And then, and then literally when you think of exercise, literally with any compound motions or whatever, whatever the strong gets stronger and the weak stay weak. So when you're starting to strengthen with weak links in, in your biomechanical system, the ones that can fire will fire, the ones that are, are, along, for ride, are along for the ride. One of the things I had courses that I used to teach was called "There's no such thing as corrective exercise," because you said it. Well, you can put we're going to get the adductors initiated, so we're going to put tension bands around, or we're going to do different things to add force into specific muscles. If they can't fire, they won't fire. The body will find other ways to compensate when you start manipulating load on tissues. It will find other muscles to jump in and compensate for. Because the one thing that I've seen, as long as I've done this. When there's muscle weakness, you can do all the therapy, the exercise and everything, and they can come back and lay on the table and that muscle's still testing weak. And so it's done nothing to reestablish the communication between the nervous system and the muscles, muscle system. So I look at MAT as the precursor to exercise. Prepare the body to tolerate forces. Give it more to work. I, I look at it as like in, in, in hopping. Uh, you guys, last night watching the Avalanche, there were one of the games, Edmonton, I think it was, and there were two guys in the penalty box. I mean, you got five out of three. Those three guys on the ice are working so hard. Well, every time you lose muscles, um, it's like you're, the ones that can work are working so much harder uh, just to get you through everyday life. But every time you getting muscles activated and reestablishing communication, we're pulling guys out of the penalty box, and the goal is to get to a power play. Like now you have more guys coming. Now I have more to work with than than what's pulling against me or working against me. And 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 literally it's that simple. Um, as muscles get like like going with professional athletes and working in that realm for I mean now the twenty seven years with the Broncos now or twenty seventh year and seeing it for as long as I've seen it, guys come in and they could say, man, I feel great, especially the younger ones coming right out of college and everything that come. I feel great. It's like, wow, that's interesting because their glutes are weak, their hip flexors were weak, and it's interesting that they don't have pain and they're saying how good they feel. Then I come into my clinic and have a 50-year-old lie on the table, and oh man, my back's been killing me and my knee's been killing me. And this is the whole idea of athlete, athletes have the integrity of the neuromuscular system and athletes is not. And they have so many strong muscles that when they do have weak links, they have enough strong muscles to compensate for their weak muscles. But as people age and have this accumulation of stress, trauma, and overuse and different injuries, now all of a sudden they get to a certain point where they no longer have enough strong muscles to compensate for the weak muscles. And that's when Pandora's box opens up. And that's when yep. they're chronically injured and everything they do um, is force against the body and their body can't tolerate forces. And they're, that's the fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue. I mean, chronic pain patient is, it's not just one, oh, I sprained my ankle. It's an accumulation of all of these different, I mean, injuries that they've had that have lowered their tolerance level, movement by movement, muscle by muscle throughout their body. So the goal that I have with these clients when they come in is, I want to give you more to work with. Because if you get more to work with, even if you do have weaknesses, then those weaknesses aren't as going to be significant because you have enough strong muscles to compensate for those weak muscles. Right. And MBT so prepares you to tolerate exercise. So for someone that can't access MAT directly, is one of the objectives to maintain as much strength as you possibly can to give your body more solutions? Because what, what I'm hearing is 
if I'm on a you know three on a five on three and I've lost a couple of these guys who could contribute to this movement, those three guys that are still able are doing a lot more work. What I'm hearing is this is an injury waiting to happen, right? You're exceeding, you're you're about to exceed the tolerance of those three muscles. And you hear of all these guys when they get to 35, 40 plus, oh shit, I tore my hamstring. Oh, I, I, I guys spoke to you yesterday. I tore my hamstring twice. I tore, I tore my bicep. I tore my pec. Is that what we're, is that kind of what we're getting at here is if we don't have, if those muscles are doing too much work, that's when these things go. Yeah. They're doing too much work. And eventually it's like driving your car with bad alignment because it is an alignment issue. Muscles move bones and muscles hold bones in proper alignment. And when muscles can't contract efficiently, they can't do their job to stabilize joints and hold the bones in the proper alignment. So now all of a sudden, something that should move like this is wearing down the cartilage in the, in the hip joint or the shoulder joint. And it's like because you have abnormal wear and tear. Yeah. And, and that's all due to muscles pulling from every direction. Certain muscles are pulling, but others aren't counteracting that pull. And, and so that the best way to think of it is if you drive your car with bad alignment, the harder and faster you drive it, the faster it's going to break down. Mm-hmm. And that's literally the more muscle weaknesses we have, the more we're driving our car with bad alignment, and eventually it's going to catch up with you. And one of the interesting things is I, I started my career as a functional movement range of motion specialist. I mean, I focused on limitation. I understood the biomechanics of movement, the interrelationships of joint. I learned from Gary Bray, who's, I mean, he's the king of function. When you talk about functional movement, Gary was the guy. I mean, 30 to 35 years ago, I learned from him. He took me under his wing. I was a non-physical therapist. At that time, he only talked to physical therapists, and he let me in his courses with with another athletic trainer that worked for him. And uh, I let, I mean, really, he started my whole career. And I did so much work as this functional movement range of motion specialist that, oh, well, I mean, you're tight in your hamstrings, and that's what's causing you to deviate when your knee dives in or whatever. I mean, just just correlating different movements, and I'd find out where their limitations of motion were. But I would do range of motion focused movement of deep tissue work. I, I had PNF, deep tissue work, mobilizations. I worked with physical therapists, learned mobilization technique. I was probably doing things way out of the scope of what I should have been doing at the time uh, as a as an exercise physiologist and learning from some great therapists. And um, but the interesting thing was that I was after my fractured vertebrae, which led me down this whole path. By the time I was 25 years old, I had patellofemoral syndrome, plantar fasciitis, SI joint dysfunction, literally one injury after another. And I was 25 years old saying, if I'm this bad at 25, what am I going to be like when I'm 50? And every time I would stretch or get deep tissue massage, I couldn't get out of bed the next day because I'd have numbness and sciatica down in my big toe. And And so I was always like, what's wrong with me? And the focus was, deep tissue work, mobilization, all the things that I was doing with my clients because I was no longer this high-level athlete or well, I'm functioning at the level I did when I was younger and I'm only 25 at this time. Talk about aging. I'm 25 thinking, what am I going to be like when I'm 50? And literally, the focus of every modality that because of the range of motion-focused idea is, I mean, you got to loosen up the tissues. Then all of a sudden, I made the paradigm shift and realized it's all about I mean, muscle weakness, not tightness. It's an instability issue rather than than, than a tightness issue. Larry, like, like you said, now I'll be 60 next month and doing things I couldn't do when I was 25. And it, it completely changed what I did, dude, because the interesting thing is I was strong. 
a squatting 500 pounds, bench pressing, probably by that time less than 400. But the peak in college was like 400, and and I was I was lifting, but I had knee wraps on, I had orthotics, I had elbow wraps, I wore a weight belt, and I had all these artificial forms of stability. Like to, I was trying to have these artificial support mechanisms do what the muscles were supposed to do, and they no longer could do it. So knee wraps, weight belt, orthotics, everything, it was forms of artificial stability. We're saying, you're dysfunctional. You're, we're going to try and help you because you're so dysfunctional. And really, it was my muscles couldn't fire. They couldn't fire. Now, I was strong, and that was the hardest thing for me to understand. I was strong, but I was unstable. And I was so tight and every day, I mean, I was tight and you see people put towels on their chest to bench press and they, they limit their range and they're putting um, uh, boards underneath the heels to squat and everything. And you start adapting to your dysfunctions. And again, it goes back to all that happens is the strong gets stronger and the weak stay weak. But the first sign of this neuromuscular dysfunction is protective tightening. And I was tight as could be anywhere and everywhere. And I could barely bend to touch my knees let alone my toes. And then anytime I was putting force on my body and violating extremes range of motion through stretching, deep tissue massage, I couldn't get out of bed the next day. So the second sign was pain. So you, and that's the interesting thing to say, because you brought that up is should you try and strengthen? Strengthening generally is as good as the muscles can, is the ability for the muscles to tolerate forces. And so the strong were getting stronger and the weak were getting weak, but I was driving my car with bad alignment and I kept breaking down, and, and I don't know where I would have ended if I didn't. I mean, if I wasn't exposed to muscle testing with to Craig Bueller with the Utah Jazz when I got hired by the Utah Jazz as a range of motion biomechanics specialist, working in pro sports as a as a motion functional movement specialist. I mean, I, I was going down the wrong path. And there's one of the things when we talked about athletes. I was it worked on the athletes because you can do anything wrong with athletes and still have success with them. Yes, yeah. when people are on this downward spiral like I was, that you do the same, put the same type of forces on their body, and their body can't tolerate it because they're injured and inflamed. And I would have said I was pretty healthy. Um, it's as negative effects rather than positive effect. So it kind of fills in that void of this is why this is why we get on this downward spiral as we age is because we're looking at it from the completely opposite perspective. Well, I call that adaptive capacity. Professional athletes' adaptive capacity is enormous, right? Their ability to adapt to stress is just. I mean, you could do anything. And and someone who has a lower adaptive capacity, you subject them to, like you say, an ankle roll. All of a sudden, six months later, they're still messed up. Right. So, unpack this for me. So, it sounds like conventional therapy seems to be ineffective, yet millions and millions of people do it. It sounds like, well, let's, uh, let's ask it differently. What is the value of stretching? I'll be honest with you. I can't even give you a value. Um, because I understand the mechanism of, well, let, let me, let me take that back because I was doing stretching in, in deep tissue work on the athletes. I was with the Denver Broncos, the Utah Jazz, putting these forces and never had, I mean, to my awareness, I never had problems with it. Guys, guys would respond. And the one thing that I see is that anytime you have mobility without stability, you have vulnerability for injury. And so stretching in itself. I'd say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So if the if I if I take an athlete and I stretch his hamstrings, and and it's it's a it's a unique perspective here as I say this. If I stretch your hamstring, what's the goal? 
to increase the ability to flex your hip or flex your spine. If you want to flex down like if I wanted to touch my toe. When I said I couldn't, I could barely touch my knees, let alone my toes. The first time I had a guy working for me and the first time I got my hip flexors and abdominals activated, I bent down and touched my toes for the first time in 10 years. And I had tried every form of stretching, deep tissue work, everything, and I couldn't even get bent, you know, I mean, bend to my knees, let alone my toes. And it would actually cause me to tighten up even more because I was violating the protective mechanism. Then literally since then, I can still bend down and touch my toes. So for however many years, 35, 30 years, 35 years, I've been able to still touch my toes and I've never stretched. And I use stretching in a controlled environment as a force to see if I can violate protective mechanisms and cause weakness. And if it does, then I'm going to fix what I break in a controlled environment. But if I go and stretch on my own or stretch somebody on my own and I don't check to see if it caused weakness, then you may open up a range that's unstable and not fix what you break. And now you have potential mobility without stability and vulnerability for injury. So where stretching can have a positive effect is if it doesn't shut you down, if it doesn't cause inhibition, then what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Any force on the tissue that you can tolerate is going to have a positive effect. It's when you can't tolerate it. And the best thing about muscle activation techniques is we have the checks and balances to be able to assess that. And I started to say this. So think about that. I tried to bend down to touch my toes. I stretched my hamstrings. I never improved my ability to touch my toes. Then I got my hip flexors and abdominals activated. What are, they're the opposite muscles. They're, in, the, they're on the front. Wait a minute. The back is tight. I got the hip flexors and abdominals activated, which are the muscles that flex your spine and flex your hip. And I was able to bend down and touch my toes. So then when muscles lose their ability to contract, the opposite muscles tighten up. The focus was on the tightness. So the tightness, I mean, wasn't the problem. The inactivity of the muscles that moved me there into trunk flexion and hip flexion was the problem. And so if I'm stretching somebody's hamstrings in a controlled environment, then I go back and I check their hip flexors. If I stabilize the spine and just take them into straight leg raise, then I go back to see, did that violate the hip, the, the, violate the protective mechanism of the hip flexion? If it did, negative things will happen. And that shows up as muscle weakness. Then I'll test the hip flexors. If I stretch their hamstrings and all the hip flexors stay strong, move on, that was a good thing. Your body had a positive effect. There's no problem. If I stretch the hamstrings and the hip flexors go weak, you just open up a range that's unstable. You've made them vulnerable. You've created weakness. And now they're, I mean, now they're unstable. And if you send them home, just like I would get stretch or deep tissue massage, and I couldn't get out of bed the next day because I have numbness and sciatica in the big toe. If you send them home unstable and they go and put forces on their body, the body's not capable of tolerating the forces anymore because they're weaker than they were prior to stretching. Negative things happen. So the only time I would endorse stretching is if you know and you have the tools to be able to assess whether or not it had a positive effect or a negative effect. If it had a positive effect, move on. If it had a negative effect with the MAT principles, we got to fix what we broke. Get all those hip flexors that went weak activated again. So now you have mobility and stability rather than mobility without stability. And to tell you how correct you are, you know, just coming coming to mind. Uh, one, of what you're saying makes perfect sense to me. And thinking about my experience, my experience with clients and friends and other people that I know, 
yoga, right? So I love yoga. I love the way it's for my mind to get in these positions that I have to stay, that I have to be calm. And for me, it's it's a breathing exercise. It's a mind exercise and mindfulness. But every time I leave, without question, I feel almost often tighter and always weaker. And while I'm really pushing the ranges of motion, obviously I'm a unique case because I'm going to push my my psychological barriers further than most people. So clearly I'm going to be exceeding a muscle's ability to contract, I'm exceeding their tolerance. And anyone I know who's who's uh, you know someone who's uh, called an overachiever, high achiever, an athlete who tends to push their mind and body past what they're comfortable doing always gets the same benefit. Always hurts himself too in yoga. Whereas a yogi, someone who who would would you know put up an argument against this. My argument would be, well, you're, you're almost trying, they're like trying to be weaker. They're trying, if you see a, a typical yogi, they're very slow moving and they're very calm and they're not trying to be strong and muscular and fast, right? It's the opposite of what an athlete is trying to do. So it makes sense that they would enjoy the the feeling of really turning all the muscles off. They're trying to, to kind of get the whole nervous system to go. Well, so honestly, what you say makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I'd have to say the opposite. They're not turning their muscles off because they're not forcing range of motion on their body. Anytime you force motion on the body, that's when negative things happen if, the, if there's a vulnerability. So you just said it. I'm violating my protective mechanism. I'm forcing myself to get in the range. They're slowly moving and saying, I'm going to let my muscles move in the, the ranges that my nervous system knows they're good with. And then all of a sudden, a week later, they can move a little farther. And a week later, they can move a little farther, whereas you're forcing it. And so your body reacts negatively, theirs is reacting calmly. So it's almost like uh, sympathetic versus parasympathetic. I mean, they're in a relaxed, comfortable state. They're not causing inhibition. So their nervous system saying, hey, with what I have to work with, this is as far as I can go. And then it progressively starts to allow them to move further. You're taking that in a faster pace and saying, I'm a ballistic. Maybe. I'm going to put force out. No, no, never. Or you're violating protective mechanisms. That's not what I'm saying at all. Like I'm not, yeah, no, personally, I'm not saying I would, I think it's just like, you know, everyone's body is going to have a different tolerance to discomfort. And that, that's really all it is. And like, I don't think I'm, I'm overriding my sympathetic signals and, you know, certainly I'm, I'm training the parasympathetic nervous system, but yeah, I get what you're saying, man. I get, I, I think, again, I think maybe the, the endeavor in yoga, maybe it's not a good example in this case, but I think the endeavor in yoga is is meant to be an experiment in mindfulness and parasympathetic activation where it's allowing the muscles to relax rather than forcing them to relax. But I think because now it's a destination-based thing, it's like, you know, if you're ever done a yoga class, it's like a, it's a competition, right? It's like, I have to get to this, I have to get my nose to my to my shin kind of, kind of mindset rather than like going to where my body needs to go. Anyways, I don't want to spend time on that. Actually, value, quick, uh, I'll just say, yeah. have you ever golfed? Yeah, of course. How how hard do you swing at the ball? As, as softly as I can. Oh, do you the answer? Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, so, anyway, when I mean, basically, take people that work out and muscularly. I played football seventeen years, and and when I picked up golf, I mean, I was trying to kill it. Well, yeah. that's the idea. You take a golfer; they're not trying to kill it. They're so relaxed, they're smooth, and and so that that's the the what I was trying to say is we take an aggressive approach to it. And that can be what causes inhibition as opposed to a true golfer is so relaxed, so limber, so mobile. They're using the mechanics to their advantage and they can get produce more club head speed and torque and, and everything. And it's like a 170 pounder can hit it 100 yards farther than me. It's like, how does that happen? And it's, and it's that a yogi 
could be that versus like in golf, like me trying to golf yeah. as a professional golfer. That could be the difference of why it works for one and not as well for another. Makes sense. So since we're on this path of, of asking, of kind of tossing up these um, controversial questions, what is the value of massaging in your mind? So if we talk to a mo- mobility, having maybe stretching, having some value, if you can do it without exceeding your tolerance, there's value. But how about massage? Anytime you forcefully try and increase motion, negative things can happen. And and so a flush massage or just a, a nice, easy massage is, I mean, can be good if you have blood flow circulation, keep the body out of a stress state. If, but you think about, I mean, we, we did an experiment years ago at a massage therapist that saw quite a few of my clients come to the house, work with myself and Julie, and uh, myself and my wife. And, and so I would check her prior and afterwards. And and the, the massage therapist believed in MAT. She wanted to know more. So it was a, I mean, uh, everybody was in it for the same reason as to gather information. And the nice thing is it, was, it wasn't opinion-based. Uh, it was, let's find out. I mean, the forced tolerance. And it, but if you think about massage, most of the time they focus on the areas that are tender. Oh, this is tight. This is irritated. This is, we got to release scar tissue and adhesions and everything. But no, it hurts. I mean, literally, it's the area that's the most inflamed. And so that means the force tolerance levels of those tissues are lower. So now if you dig into those tissues, it's irritating those tissues and compounding the inflammation. And 100% of the time, come in on Monday mornings and get treated. We do it on Sunday night. And 100% of the time, if she found an area that was tight, tender, uh, it's funny, is it tight or is it weak? I mean, in, in reality, it's inflamed. Uh, so that comes off as tightness or adhesions, and and we got to release those. 100% of the time, what she did on my wife when she found areas, well, her hamstrings were tight, so we worked on those. And I mean, they were painful for her as the as the client. And same thing with me. Oh, yeah, one time infraspinatus was very tender. She dug into that. I come in the next morning, get tested, and those muscles were sitting there weak. And same thing with my wife. After the massage, I'd check her. I'd check her before and I'd check her after and um, based on where she dug in and it would cause inhibition. So if you dug into any other area in the body that wasn't tender, then it's not going to have negative effects because it's not inflamed. And so there's the catch-22. Can massage have benefit, a, a beneficial effect? Definitely. Um, but if it's compounding inflammation... Uh, by digging into tissues that always irritate, that's already irritated, then it has more of a negative effect. And that's what was happening to me when I was young, when I couldn't get out of bed the next day. So isn't so when we did a massage, if we do a couple's massage and we go on a trip or something, it's like, I just say, don't try and fix anything. I mean, just a mm-hmm. flush massage, don't try and fix anything. Because the minute, and one time I did that, we were in Hawaii and the lady next that I know, she's digging with her elbow. She's on the table digging into my, my quadriceps. And we were there for a golf tournament. And the next day I'm playing golf. And I, or that night, I, we go to Luau. And I go to sit in my chair. And my, I mean, pain in the knees through the patella tendon, which is quadriceps attached to. And literally for the next couple of days, bending to grab a golf ball out of the hole. I mean, bending my knees were killing me until I got back and got my quadriceps reactivated when I got back to Denver. And so if you're going after tissues that are inflamed and irritated, it can cause more compound the inflammatory effect. If you go after and dig in the areas that aren't tender and inflamed, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. If it doesn't cause muscle weakness or overload your stress tolerance level, then positive things can happen. 
if it lo- overloads your stress tolerance level, that's uh, what we call a set point in MAT, then negative things happen, i.e. muscle weakness, more inflammation, than pain. Right, talk to me about Jumpstart and, and how that directly increases your tolerance. So yeah, I want to understand. I don't, I don't want to give you any more than that. So understand the whole principles. I've uh, talked about the foundational principles of MAT, where wherever you see a limitation in range of motion, it basically means that one or more of the muscles that cross that axis are potentially weak. And with muscle activation techniques, we have the tools to be able to assess. Again, if, if I'm limited in external rotation, every muscle that has a component of function in external rotation, we can test. And if the weak through manual stimulation with the MAT process, excuse me, is we can get those muscles activated. And when you get those muscles activated, mobility increases because now you have a greater sense of stability and contractile ability of the muscles. So that's a, the, the process. MAT, I mean, there's, I mean, 276 muscles on, every, on each side of the body that we can address, so 552 muscles that we're able to assess and address to determine whether or not there's neuromuscular issues. A lot to be accounted for. But wherever you see a limitation in range of motion can zero in to say, oh, well, you can lift your arm over your head. You, oh, you can do this, but ooh, that right arm doesn't externally rotate like the left one. Okay, that gives you, now I don't have to test all 276 muscles. Range of motion limitations are telling me where there's potential weakness. Then you have the tools to test. Well, that's a lot to learn. And it's been a year-long program, a 10-month, eight three-day weekends over a 10-month period. We kind of uh, people had to come in and learn the whole body and fly to Denver and be here those eight three-day weekends and get certified. It literally took a year to be, for them to go through the whole program. It's a lot to learn, a lot to understand. And, and, and so then we had to come up with an alternative approach because I think these principles are so powerful. We train people in our specialist program. This is what you're going to do for a living. Like you're going to be an MAT specialist. You can start a career, build up clientele, and you're just going to maintain the neuromuscular integrity of your clients. Life's going to beat them up. They'll come in. Hey, I was skiing. I tweaked my knee. And then you get them back skiing and, and take away their pain and protective tightening. But that's a lot. It's a career change or opportunity. And so we had to simplify it because we have a lot of trainers that come through the program and they're not ready to not personal training or even therapists that they have their skills with what they do with mobilizations and stretching technique, which is great as long as you have the checks and balances to be able to assess, did it have a positive or a negative effect? So I simplified the program and, and brought in the jumpstart where it's just, I don't care what you can do. I want to know what you can't do. And there's just general range of motion in there. And I mean, it could be 90-90 extra rotation, then it, with the arm against the body, Spinal rotation, spinal side bend, spinal flexion with rotation, spinal flexion, spinal extension. And we have upper body, lower body, and trunk and spine portion of the jump start. Then now we're not going and saying you're accountable to know all 276 muscles, where their origin insertions are, and how to activate them and test them. And um, it, it, a lot of responsibility is we can look and say, I don't care what you can do. I want to know what you can't do. And if you're doing a general screen on your client, and they come in and it's like, man, I, I went and ran this weekend. I'm a little sore. And you could check like, I mean, movements in the hips or movements in the trunk and say, hey, you're not rotating as well as you used to. We need to, I mean, we can test just positional tests, which you don't rotate this way. I'm going to test to see if you can withstand a force when I counteract that force. And then we're going to do isometric contractions to reestablish the communication for that position to give you more positional strength. 
And with this Jumpstart program, I actually taught our whole program to the trainers and strength coaches for the Seattle Mariners. And I taught the whole 10-month year-long program to all of their medical staff or their practitioners in the, the medical side. And it turned out to be too much for them because they only get their players like five or 10 minutes. And halfway through, they had to regroup and say, they're all, they're, they can only use the Jumpstart program. If they only get 10 minutes, they need quick assessment tools so we can check range of motion, shoulders, trunk, hip, and then say, oh, there's a limitation in range of motion here. Let's do a test of a position for weakness and then give them iso- and then do an isometric rate on the spot. Now we're going to go practice or now we're going to go rehab. And they only have to use five or 10 minutes. And it, it's a quick jump start to prepare people for sporting activity, to prepare your clients for exercise, to say, let's just make sure we're doing upper body today quick range of motion. Oh, here's what's jumping out, your limitation in range of motion. We're going to do isometric contractions to get some communication and get some stability through that joint before I start putting load on it. And so it's a great tool. The the Jumpstart program is a great introductory tool for people that want to learn the principles of MAT, of everything we're talking about today, to say, how can I bring this in? I want to be a trainer, not a MAT practitioner. But I want to have the skills of an MAT brand or some tools that MAT uses to get my clients more stable. And I think that Jumpstart is the best introductory program. And then if people decide, hey, I want to learn more, it's a great tool because the, the whole process of learning is very it's expensive, time consuming. Now you can get a body part in the Jumpstart program for $99. Like it gives you the introductory phase of learning. I'm going to learn the lower body first, $99. I've already been able to be able to work with it. It's not time consuming, it's, it's cost effective, and it gives you some tools to start uh, working with your clients and start implementing the principles of MAT. I think above all, it allows you to look at the body through a different lens. I think that what you're doing is changing the paradigm of trainers, of therapists, because historically, everyone you talk to is like, oh, that's tight, stretch it. Oh, that's tight, you know, isolate it. And you're like, no, no, hold on. Let's look at it through the lens of a range of motion and the muscle's ability to get you into that range of motion and stabilize it in that range of motion. And I think one of the important things to say is how many people have seen with clients or whoever that they stretch day after day after day after day and they never get more flexible. Nothing. And when I said that I used to bet I could barely bend to touch my knees, let alone my toes, for 10 years. And then I got my hip flexors and abdominals activated. And I reached down and touched my toes for the first time in 10 years. And that's when I knew I was onto something. I was already hired by the Denver Broncos and the Utah Jazz and working in pro sports as a range of motion and functional movement specialist, but I realized there was one component. I was missing a big component of overall muscle function. And yeah, I'd see people like stretch and PNF and strap them down on table to try and increase their hip internal rotation. And we'd have a goniometer and it'd be three degree increase in internal rotation at 90-90. And then all of a sudden, you get muscles that internally rotate the hip activated. I see, I don't even need a goniometer. We just got 25 degrees more, a greater range of motion. Like it's no longer about these minor numbers. It's significant changes because now those muscles can move you into the position they're designed to move you. So the tightness is a protection to some underlying instability or i.e. muscle weakness issues. I can attest to all of that. The, the changes in range of motion that I see with you is remarkable. And now, as you know, I can continue working with Eric Seifert as often as I'm able to, and I still see tremendous benefit, right? I think what you guys do is different slightly, but uh, I mean, it's still a remarkable difference to see. The principles of everything. Yeah. 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 So, Greg, you still train every day. How does someone who now knows this information change the way they train? Is there things we should not be doing? Is there things we should be doing? 
Uh, what would be my, your advice for people who want to be muscular but move well? Yeah, my, when my clients come in and they and I work, did things activate, well, what exercises should I do for this? And and I, and then my first thing it used to I, I was I would misled because I would give them isometrics and I would give them home isometrics and home exercises specific to what we found weak, and then they'd come back in and oh, wow, they're, they're actually weak again. And and I was finding that what I was giving them as homework. The more, when I said earlier, the more isolated an exercise is, the greater chance it has of exceeding tolerance levels. So now I tell people two things when they're looking at what they should do with exercise. One is don't do anything to try and forcefully increase range of motion. From deep tissue work, grind needling, theraguns, anything that's trying to forcefully increase range of motion or dig into tissues that are tight or irritated, it's going to have a negative effect and nobody's going to be there to fix you. I mean, nobody's going to be there to put you back together. And then from an exercise standpoint, we have these muscles activated. Movement is a good thing. Gentle movement, compound movements, lunges, step up and squats with you don't even have to put the weight on your back, with, but but getting some foreign squatting movement, compound, total body movements. Because the more isolated an exercise is, the greater chance of it, it has of exceeding your tolerance level. So those are the I keep it pretty general as movement is a good thing. Total body movements are good. The more there's advanced stages that will come up where I go after the isolated movements with movement by movement, muscle by muscle, and I challenge tolerance levels to the point where you can no longer shut it down with any load. If anyone's heard about Bryson DeChambeau and the strength gains he made, we literally went movement by movement, muscle by muscle, challenge tolerance levels to shut them down, to put them back together so then he could tolerate the forces. And he he made changes, uh, I'd say, then strength levels that I've never seen on, on anybody. And I mean, it was like he doubled the, like on every movement that we went through. He doubled the amount of load that he could tolerate when we first started. So when we started with trunk rotation, which is the key motion in golf, 90 pounds for five repetitions was, it, I mean, heavy for him and it caused muscle inhibition, weakness. We put him back together. By the time we're done, he's did not, now he's doing like 240 pounds in spinal rotation exercise and it doesn't cause inhibition anymore. And so that's way more than doubling his force output. Then movement by movement, muscle by muscle, we raise those tolerance levels. But that's in a controlled environment. When you're exercising on your own, if 90 pounds cause weakness, it would cause protective tightening. And then if we went and cranked down golf balls that night, it would end up causing protective pain. And so you don't want to focus on isolated movements. You want to focus on integrated movement. But literally, if even with from a jump start standpoint, where I said MAT can be a precursor to exercise, just do quick scans and say wherever they can't move, I want to give them a greater ability to move just by performing isometrics into that range to reestablish communication between the brain and the muscles. Greg, one of the things that I love every time I get to talk to you is I always ask the question, what are you working on now? Because it's always something that's completely new and uh, cutting edge. And, and you're always trying to break what you've established, right? You're trying to push the limits of your current level of knowledge and your current belief systems. That's one of my favorite things about you as a human. So where are you going out? Like, what, what, are, what are you trying to break? What are you putting back together to make it better? Well, Ben, that's literally the next conversation that I directly want to have with you. And we'll start that conversation now. Is this what I just mentioned with sarcopenia and muscle wasting being the number one cause of chronic inflammation and arthritis, disease, everything. Movement by movement, muscle by muscle, 
the the body needs to be able to tolerate forces. And when they talk about sarcopenia, you have to lift weights. You have, they're saying recommending you have to lift weights and you have to get stronger. What a great field for what you do and uh, all the trainers that you have underneath you is uh, what a great direction. But if the body can't tolerate it, it's the opposite. It's negative and inf- compounds inflammation. Like I said, inflammation gets behind disease. Then you can't get stronger because everything hurts. And so you're in this battle of how do I prevent aging and all these negative effects of aging through having them lift without having them get injured and have the negative effects or the downward spiral. And so literally the work that I'm doing now can redefine exercise as we know it is I have a process that I'm working now that literally what I, off of what I've done with Bryson and many of the clients that I work with, so many of them, I have 60-year-olds that come in and get stronger every time they come in. 60-year-olds aren't supposed to get stronger. They're 60-plus. These guys are older than me, and they're not supposed to get stronger, but I'm teaching their body how to tolerate forces, and they're seeing the strength, same strength gains that Bryson DeChambeau saw. And it's like, well, that's not supposed to happen. I can understand it with a 25-year-old when he was 25. Now, but 65, that shouldn't happen. But now I have it set up where literally movement by movement, muscle by muscle, I have ways with staff training that we're going to go, we're going to exercise. We're going to do three sets of spinal rotation. If it happens to shut you down and and cause inhibition, we're going to fix what we broke in. And then we move on to the next exercise. And so you do your, and it can be very quick. It's not the long drawn out process of activation. Uh, then you move on to the next exercise. So there can be a core day, an upper body day, and a lower body day that accounts for all the muscles in the body relative, except for feet, wrist, and hand, and neck. And you can do with the, with all of those areas too. But from a general strengthening standpoint, I mean, we need internal rotation, hip rotation strength. We need adduction, abduction, because we are only as strong as our weakest link. This is an isolated movement process. It's a, you're not going to have any weak links, and you're going to train and so you have your days of isolated movements to make sure everything's activated. You put together every time you get done working out instead of being broken down and sore and, and having to recover for forever. And it reduces total body inflammation, which in turn allows the body to heal and, and age the way it's, we want it to heal is without disease. Um, because if you limit amounts of inflammation in the neuromuscular system, you think of the surface area, all my muscles are weak and low tolerance levels. My, I only have an, oh, so much artillery where the immune cells are trying to repair damaged tissue because the end result of an inflammatory response is to repair damaged tissue and produce healing. But people get in this, stuck in this chronic state of inflammation because they never get into that growth and repair healing state of inflammation. And it's because tolerance levels are so low, again, like overtraining. This is the way to get stronger and healthier, reduce total body inflammation. And I really believe uh, it can change exercise as we know it. And being in the bodybuilding world that you came from, nobody understands isolated muscle function more than like, I need to isolate my biceps, my trap, I mean, every single particular movement, but how can we make sure there's no weak weak links in this integrated chain? And from a training and a a monitoring standpoint, and and the program's there. I just have to get the the practitioners trained in it and get facilities out there to, to make it happen. So we'll have more conversations on that. I would love to extend that conversation. Sounds like I might be moving to Denver in the near future. Yeah, you need um, to see it. Yep, I will. So, Greg, thanks so much. I just want to come bring back, bring the attention back to the Jump Start into MAT book that if anyone's watching on YouTube, I'm holding in my hand. Just an incredible book. I uh, love that it starts with your personal story and the discovery of MAT itself. You told us a little bit about that today. And that actually walks 
through all of the exercises and range of motion assessments for MAT every joint. I highly suggest everyone go to Greg's website. I tried to get it on Amazon. You guys are sold out, but you can get it on your website if you want to share that with us now. Yeah, if you go to muscleactivation.com and you can get all the access, all of our education programs with the Jumpstart are all accessible. You can take body parts, a lower body, upper body, or trunk and spine. Like I said, just start in with an introductory level. Uh, but as I, everything's laid out on our website and it also... Uh, we have, I mean, people that can, I mean, if you got questions, we have a support staff that can give you any any information, you know, if you want to get any any more information on our products or our education programs. Every single day of my life, and this is not me being uh, hyperbolic, every single day of my life, I'm so grateful for everything you did for me, the knowledge you continue to give to me. I don't get to see you often, man, but I, I appreciate you so much from afar. When, when I, every, every time I think about exercise, every time I go to the gym, I appreciate you, man. So thank you for being here. Thank you for what you do. You too. Thank you. And ironically, I'm literally perfect timing because now I have to be at the Broncos in 10 minutes. <laughs> so. All right, man. Perfect timing. Okay. That's a wrap, ladies and gents. So one of the things that some people have asked me to do that I'd like to do ongoing with the podcast is give you guys a bit of a summary in my thoughts, my takeaways, and my feedback from today's episode. As I said in the beginning, if you listen to the intro, Greg is one of the people I look up to most in the entire industry. He's incredibly busy, so he doesn't tend to spend a lot of time on social media. He doesn't tend to get a lot of public notoriety. But as he alluded to in the podcast, he's working with two of the best NFL teams who literally fly him all around the country and fly him back to be with his family every night uh, because he's that good. And these these are people who you know have access to anyone they want in the world. And Greg's just making such an impact on some people's lives. He's mentioned some specific uh, PGA golfers. The list of NFL football players is too long to mention. And when I say that, this modality gave me my body back, gave me my capability back. I'm not exaggerating. So, so many numerous instances where I would use, I would on my own dime fly into Denver, uh, stay with Greg for two days, or not stay with him, but work with him for two days and leave feeling like I had a renewed sense on life. I was able to go back in the gym. And I love, one of the things I love about Craig is I would leave his office and he would say, go break it. Right. So he said, like, you know, he, he would encourage me to go out and try to break what he's done. And meaning he's putting me back together, right? He's putting Humpty Dumpty back together and he's like, go out there and break it. And I love that, that encouragement, that like, you're ready to go, right? I believe in you, go. And there's a lot to be said for what he does uh, for so many people around the world and what he did for me. And uh, I feel indebted to Greg, not just because uh, you know he's on a podcast, but because he just is incredibly giving and generous man. And I look forward to some collaborations with Greg in the future. So if you have the ability to financially or even by proximity, get to someone who doesn't lost activation, get there. Not everyone has the ability to work with Greg because he's so busy, but there are some incredible practitioners around the country, certainly around the world. If you head over to muscleactivation.com and find their find a practitioner tab, um, they have an amazing rating scale so you can see exactly how qualified each practitioner is and I suggest you dive in. So ladies and gents, thank you for being here. Um, I will continue to support you in your journey to be the best version of yourself And I love what I do. I love supporting men uh, so they can show up with the vitality they need to thrive. 
the end of the day. So uh, thank you for being here, ladies. I appreciate you too. And have an amazing day. Thank you to our sponsors, Organifi, who make this show possible. It allows me to live an incredible life, uh, just traveling the world and interviewing the best people so we can condense the information. There's so much noise out there. The Muscle Intelligence Podcast sifts through it all for you. So ultimately, you don't have to sift through it all. I spend my entire day discerning what is valuable and what is not. And there's so many podcasts that don't see the light of day that uh, just aren't in integrity. And so, you know, there's a lot of things happening behind the scenes you guys don't see. There's a lot of information being extracted, a lot of stuff not being posted, um, just because we do our best to protect you, the listener, from noise. And I appreciate you being here. I appreciate your loyalty. Thank you for subscribing to the podcast. If you do enjoy the podcast, share with at least one person you know and love who is on this mission to ultimately thrive, body, mind, and soul. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Bikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.